thank you for your love is so extravagantly demonstrated at Calvary's cross for each and every one of us. Lord, how you loved us, how you love us. You pour it upon us daily. We thank you. Help us to be good conductors of your love and show it to those around us. We just pray now as we look in your word. We want our hearts to bow and we want to hear your voice. Instruct us and teach us in the way in which we should go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we have been kind of disjointed here for a couple of weeks. Now we're back on track, right? We are still talking about the king and his kingdom. Looking into God's word, see what it says about the king and his kingdom. We will, we get, when we get born again, we get born again into a new kingdom, right? And we want to understand how to operate, how to be good kingdom citizens. And so much of being a good kingdom citizen is totally different than what the world around us tells us to do and be. The world around us says, me first, you first, clawed and climbing over one another, right? All kinds of things. As we've been going through this study, we see that there's so many things that the world mentality pushes on us that is not kingdom mentality at all. As we come into God's kingdom, we come to serve and to lay down our life and to give our time, talent, and treasure to our king. Not store it up, become healthy, wealthy and wise. That's, that's the world's mentality, right? That's what the world says. And if they say, if you're not, then you're, you're um, not successful and you must be doing something wrong. So we really have to absorb the word of God in order for us to really get what God thinks about stuff because it's so different from what the world around us thinks about living. That's why we're doing this study, so to help us so that we will be able to make adjustments and say, Holy Spirit, I need your help here. I need to make adjustments in my thinking because the thinking of this world system is so different from what your your divine thinking is. I believe we're at chapter 21 in Matthew, which is called... Subtitled it, The King and His Kingdom. Okay, so let's look at this together. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem, were come to Bethphage, unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village over against you, and you will find an ass, a donkey, and a colt with her. Loose them, bring them to me. And if any man say aught unto you, he shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done, and it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye, the daughter of Zion, behold, thy king comes unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass and a colt, the foal of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the donkey and the colt, and put them on their clothes, and set them him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna to the highest. 
And when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Here we see that Jesus is knows knows the time. He knows the timing. He didn't do this when he started his ministry. When he started his ministry, he went to John the Baptist and he said, and he he said, I need to be baptized. He uh, he obeyed the command of his father to be baptized symbolically to teach us to follow in his footsteps. He didn't come riding into the world on a horse, which he could have done, couldn't he? He could have come riding out of the sky on a on a flaming horse and uh, angels heralding and saying, this is God's son from heaven, everybody pay attention. But he didn't do that. He chose to come into the world in the humblest of, of settings using willing human beings as vehicles. And that still is how he comes to the world. He comes through human vehicles who are willing, humble, and um, that's how he comes. And so now, as he's as the, his his ministry progresses, and he's we're getting now here to the end of the, of his ministry time, and he tells his disciples to go and and fetch him a donkey to ride in on. When they when you when you study it up, the victors from the victors from battle when they came and returned, um, they would come riding in, and and laurels would be thrown and and. He was coming in, riding in as the king of kings and as the lord of lords. Some people recognized it, and of course, some people didn't. That's always the case. As we look at the Lord Jesus and try to present him, there's people who get it, and there's people who don't. And that's always the way it is. And what people, how people respond to our presentation of the truth is on them. It's not on us, but we do need to present. And that's what we always have to remember. And everything Jesus did was a fulfillment, a fulfillment of something, uh, one of the prophecies. Everything he did, when you study it out, every, every detail. And here we have it. It, it tells us, um, all this was done in verse four, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet saying, and that's, I believe, from Zechariah 9, 9. Behold, thy king comes unto thee. And it's, it's a, it's, he fulfills the prophecy. And the people start shouting. It's like a big parade. Who doesn't like a parade, right? Everybody likes a parade if it's for a good cause. So he's come riding in and people are saying, who is this? What's going on? And Jesus went into the temple of God. And look what he does. He went into the temple of God. And what did he do? Cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and said to them, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. This is a piece that is so missing in the church today. And this is so misunderstood. Jesus went in to the temple and he didn't, they, these people were in the temple. Today, people say, oh, well, all these people are here. So just, you know, let them be. Don't, don't make any waves. Don't rock any boats. Don't, don't, don't overthrow their apple cart. Don't step on anybody's toes. That's not what Jesus did, is it? 
Jesus took a whip and he drove him out. He drove him out. He drove him out. He said, my house shall be called the house of prayer. You have made it a den of thieves. They were making merchandise in the house of God, in a place where prayer should be ascending and people should be repenting and contrition should be happening. They were making merchandise in the house of God. Isn't that what we have in the Christian world today? People making merchandise of the house of God? Buy my tapes, buy my DVDs, buy my this, buy my that. Send me your money. You'll be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Buy buy this. I'll send you a blessed cloth. Buy this. You buy this. Isn't that making merchandise? Of, of I'm just asking. Isn't that making merchandise of, of the house of God? Jesus drives them out and he doesn't pretend to be apologizing. He's not apologizing for it. He's not backing down. He's not saying, oh, well, you know, maybe I was a little too harsh. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. No. There's a part we don't understand so often when we come be a part of God's kingdom. There's discipline involved. There's rules. There are regulations. Now, we're not to abuse one another with those rules and regulations. However, Jesus drove them out with a whip. Jesus drove them out. He was pretty, pretty severe in this instance. And so we have to understand that handling the word of God, handling the truth, and you know, they were representatives. They were in the, in the house of God and, and they were, they were robbing from the people pretty much to what they were doing. People were coming to the temple. And in order to make a sacrifice, you had a, you had a, you had to purchase something, a dove or a, a goat or a sheep, not a goat, a sheep or, or whatever you had to purchase for the sacrifice. Sometimes it was, um, spices. You could purchase spices also for sacrificing. But in order to do that, you had to have temple money. And temple money was a different currency than everyday currency. So people brought their everyday currency into the temple. That's why they're called money changers. And you had to change your money from your everyday money into temple money. And in the process of doing that, they were ripping them off. You understand? They, they were giving them much less than their money was worth and they were pocketing the money. Well, okay. Uh, I rest my case. I mean, isn't that what, isn't that what's going on in the Christian world today? Send me your money. Send me a thousand. You know, I think 10 to 10 people are going to give me a thousand dollars right now. And it's just not right. It's not, it's not right. The, the gifts and the calling of God are free. Without repentance and freely you have received, freely give. We give the word of God freely. Just what the word says. And he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. Shows us that God cares about what goes on inside the church inside his house and it is about our hearts of course we need to be reverent there needs to be reverence the house of god can't just be like the common marketplace that's what he was having a problem with and they were besides that robbing the people blind god there's reverence when we studied the tabernacle we saw it didn't we divine order Every thread, the color of every thread, the pegs, the shape of the pegs, the type of wood, the every, 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 every detail. There was not one detail where they had to go, hmm, 
I wonder what God wanted us to do about this. No. He was specific to the minutest details. And if a priest took some a coal of fire from, from his hearth at home and brought it into the tabernacle and said, oh, I'll just use this today, uh-uh. He would get in trouble. He would get punished. And the high priest who went into the holy place once a year, if he did that, if, if he went in and he hadn't sacrificed all the sacrifices correctly, what happened to him? He could die. He could die in there. You remember the story of how the ark had gotten taken away from Israel years later, and David wanted to bring it back. And in the, he he forgot he didn't read. He didn't read the instructions. He didn't read how to do it. And on the way back, a man reached out and touched him. What happened to him? He died. Why? Because God's mean? No. Because God had given specific instructions how to. And when God gives specific instructions how to, and we have them, he expects us to, to pay attention and do them. That's right. There's, 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 there's some things that are required of us. We must learn how to be kingdom citizens. We can't just fly by the seat of our pants and do it our way. That's what the world says. Those are slogans, even in the fast food world. Have it your way, a Burger King, right? That's what they used to sing. Have it your way, you know, how you, how you want it. Well, that's okay for fast food, but it's not okay in the kingdom of heaven. When we come into the kingdom of heaven, God is to be reverenced. He's a holy and awesome God. And we bow and we are his servants. We are not God. And this is, this is an attitude that's in the Christian world of arrogance, I want to say, that we tell God what he ought or should be doing instead of bowing before him and saying, Lord, look at this. Look at this problem. Look at this need. I don't know what to, how to pray. Please meet this need according to your riches and glory. It's not for us to be demanding and stamping our feet and telling God how we ought to be operating and running the universe. You understand the difference? We come before him humbly with bowing and contrition. Lord, that's what the, the, uh, you know, I've said it so many times, I don't even think we hear it anymore. That's why the Lord's Prayer is such a good model for us to go back to. It's not just words. It's not just a prayer we recite. Of course not. We need to pray from our hearts, but we need to look at that model. Our Father who are in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's how we approach God. Hallowed. You are holy. You are mighty. You are... There's no reason on this earth that I should be allowed the privilege to even dialogue with you except that your precious son's life was given on my behalf, which I thank you for and I bless you for and I worship you for. That's how we come into God's holy presence. We don't deserve to be there. We get to be there. It's an awesome privilege. We need to make sure that we're in right, in the right you know, you know what the Eastern prayer position is, right? Five points on the ground. You understand? Forehead, knees, and elbows, I think it is. Okay? Flat on her face is how they pray in Eastern religions. 
bowing before God that doesn't even hear them. And sometimes we forget that when we come to behold before a holy God, our, our rightful position is bowing down. We need to learn that we need to come in humility, bowing before him. I know some of us can't get down on our, our knees anymore, but our heart, our heart attitude has to be one of contrition and of bowing and of saying, Lord, you are king and I worship you and I honor you. You know the answers. You know better than me. I don't know. Again, our world pushes on us so hard. You know, you know, you're the one, you're the one. We got to lose that. We got to lose that before the throne room of heaven. We got to come in and say, I don't know, Father. You know, you are God. You have answers that go beyond all I can ask, think, or imagine. I come before you humbly. Show me where I need to change. Show me how to how, give me wisdom. Show me how to operate. Show me how the what, show me the way. He does. And he doesn't, we don't need to grovel. It's not that we're un, unworthy worms of the earth. I mean, in, in essence, we are, but, but he, he, he's placed enormous value on us. He's placed such value on us. It's not that we're not valued or, or worthy, but it's that he's God. He is God. And he is holy and he is above us, separate from us. Awesome. And we need to really get a grasp of who God really is. When we do, then our approach to him will change. And that's what Jesus is working on here with these people. And so may we get it because that's a huge kingdom piece that can easily slip away from us, can easily slip away from us. It, and it's exactly what I said, exactly what I said. But we come bowing, honoring God and saying, the only reason I can come in, that is boldness to just to be able to approach the throne room of heaven is saying the only reason I'm here is because of your son who gave his life in my place. And that's the boldness that we come with. That's the only boldness that we come with. We don't come saying, you gotta give me this. You gotta give me this. You gotta give me this. No. No. We say, Father, this is your word. This is your provision for your children. Please come. You know better than me, but this is what your word says. And, but it's, it's an attitude. It's an attitude of humility and of surrender. And, you know, Lord, I, I think, you know, this is what I think, but your thoughts are higher than my thoughts and your ways than my ways. It's not of being an impetuous, willful, selfish child saying, you got to do what this is. You got to do this. You got to do this. We got to lose that. I'm sorry. That is not scripture. That is not how people pray in scripture. They always, it's always with that submissive will. Not even Jesus in the garden. He could have said, Father, I'm your son. I ain't subjecting myself to this. This ain't right. I'm not, I'm not going through with this. Send those angels and get me out of here. It says he could have sent a myriad of angels and he could have been delivered from going to the cross. But that, where would you and me be? We wouldn't be here, would we? And he said, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And if we don't get that, I'm sorry, we're wrong. It's got to always be subjected to, well, Lord, this is what I think, but not as I will, but as you will. You are God. I am not. 
You are powerful. You are all, and I trust you, irregardless. I mean, irregardless of how you deem to answer this. We have one set way of saying, God, this is the answer that I have to have. And sometimes God has a way different answer for us than what we have in mind. And is that okay? Well, he's God, so I guess that's okay. Hmm. Yeah. We have to learn that. That's not easy. You can't put... um, I know people try and make pat formulas. You pray this, you get this result. You pray this, you get this result. You do this, you get this. um, Walking with the Lord is not like that. It's not... It's not set formulas and, I mean, there's some things that are absolutes, okay? But God is God. You can't put him in a box. You can't put him in a box. He'll answer however he deems best. Look at Job, for example. Job was a righteous man who walked with God. And in those, in those times, Satan could still come and accuse the brethren. He can't do that anymore. But he came into God and he said, oh, yeah, but look at Job. You protect him. He's got a hedge about him. He's a rich man. If you took all that away from him, he would curse you and and he wouldn't be righteous anymore. That's pretty much what he said. And God said, well, you can take all his stuff, but don't touch him. So, of course, Satan didn't waste a minute. (laughs) Just took all his stuff instantly. Children, cattle, wealth, everything gone. And Job didn't curse God. He said, he's given it to me and he's taken it away from me. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then Satan comes again and he says, God says, see my righteous servant Job? He's righteous. And Satan says, yeah, but flesh for flesh, you know, if you touch his body, then then he'll curse you and die. Kill you. He'll curse your name. God says, well, you can touch his, his health, but you can't take his life. His life is in my hands. Hmm. I'm just telling you this story to make you think. Now, if you had lost everything, say say you were one of the families who lost everything in the flood, you'd be praying like crazy, right? Restore, 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 bring back everything. God, you have to. It's your word. It's your word. You've got to bring this back. Any, everything that the enemy stole from me. So, Next thing happens, he breaks out and boils from all over his body, from his head to his feet. Did, was that the answer that he was looking for? I don't think that was the answer Job was looking for. It got worse. Pretty soon he was scraping himself with a broken clay pot. It was so bad. From head to toe, he was in horrible, horrible misery. Eventually, God showed up, and they had a little conversation. <laughs> And Job said, oh, I heard of you with the hearing of my ears, but now my eye sees you. And what? I repent in dust and ashes, not you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta. No, 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 no. Changed everything, didn't it? I bow. I worship. You are God. You know what you're doing. Job eventually got over that, through that. And he did, and, and, it, and it was restored. But it didn't happen the way that we would think it would happen. Do you understand what I'm saying? And his love for God, his, 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 his love. But it's not up to us to tell God what and how to do. It's up to us to submit ourselves, trust him, trust him, trust him. That was the, that's the lifelong 
lesson that we all have to learn is to trust God when it's hard. It's easy to trust him when it's not hard. It's hard to trust him when it is. So that's we're all learning that. And the blind and the lame, verse 14 in chapter 21, the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. And when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were sore displeased. It should say they were just plain right out jealous. And he said, and said unto him, don't you hear what these people are saying? Because they knew that those words applied to the Messiah. This is why they had a problem with it. They knew from the scriptures, from the prophecies, that those words applied should only be given to the Messiah, Hosanna to the son of David. And so they say to him, don't you hear what they're saying? And Jesus said, haven't you ever read? <laughs> he uses, I love this about Jesus. He knows how to answer people. He, he, he turns the word right back on them. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise. He uses the scriptures that they're familiar with and turns it around right back on them. And he left them and went out of the city into Bethany and he lodged there. Now in the morning, as he in another place, it says, in another gospel, it tells us that he also said that if these people weren't, weren't get, saying Hosanna, the stones would start crying out and saying Hosanna because he was the Messiah. And he left them and went into Bethany and lodged there. Now in the morning, as he returned to the city, he hungered. When he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon, but leaves only, and said to it, Let no fruit grow on thee, henceforward forever. And at once, it should say, the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? And Jesus said to them, Verily I say to you, If ye have faith, and doubt not at not, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive wonderful promises. And so we need to learn. And um, we see here that you know the fig tree is an example. Jesus is looking for results, isn't he? He's looking for fruit in our life. He's looking. You know, there's got to be a return on the on the investment. He invested his life into us. He's looking for a return on that. And it's right to look for fruit in our lives and uh, we don't want we don't want to get to 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 that day and he says depart from me you workers of iniquity i never knew you that's what the bible tells us that there are going to be people who come and think they were casting out devils and they were hearing from god and they were doing all these wonderful things and he's going to say to them depart from me workers of iniquity i never knew you it's a serious thought we need to take heed and when he was coming to the temple, the chief priests and elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, by what authority do, the, do you do these things? And who gave thee this authority? Jesus answered and said to them, again, look at how he handles this. He turns it on them, back on them with their own, their own stuff. I will also ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, whence was it? from heaven or of men. And they reasoned with themselves, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say to us, why did you not believe him? But if we shall say of men, we fear the people, for all hold John as a prophet. 
They answered Jesus and said, we cannot tell. What was that? That was a lie, right? That was a flat-out lie. He said to them, neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. In other words, if they could be so ignorant, these are the religious rulers. Come on, guys. What, by what authority are you, are you opening the eyes of the blind and casting out devils and raising the dead and healing the sick? By what authority? Dumb question. And Jesus kind of turned it back on them, didn't he? It's nice. It's the wisdom of God. God will give you that kind of wisdom. When people are coming against you, and sometimes it's just evil spirits. And the Lord will give you the right words to, to overturn. But what think ye? A certain man had two sons who came to the first and said, Son, go work in my vineyard. He said, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. He came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, Oh, I'm going, sir. But he didn't go. Whether those two did the will of his father, they said to him the first. Jesus said unto them, Verily I say to you that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to unto you in the way of righteousness, and ye believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him. And ye, when ye had seen it, repented not afterward that ye might believe him. I'm telling you, Jesus told them straight, didn't he? He didn't just, he didn't just go, oh, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. No. He confronted them. Here another parable. There was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it around about and digged a wine press in it, built a tower and let it out to the husbandmen and went into a far country. When the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen that they might receive the fruits of it. Jesus came to Israel, his own people, the people of God who were chosen to be an example to the rest of the world, to show the rest of the world who God was, what a powerful living God there was in the heavens. And he came unto his own, and his own received him not. That was a part of the fig tree thing too. He came to his own looking for fruit. And instead of fruit, the tree got, the tree was withered up. And from there it went to the Gentiles. And that's part of the interpretation of all of this too. And the husbandman took his servants, beat one, killed another, and stoned another. He's talking about Israel here. Okay, we have to understand this. God sent them one prophet after another after another, and they beat them and killed them, all the prophets. Some were sawn and sunder. Again, he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did them to them likewise. And last of all, he sent unto them his son, speaking about himself, Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, saying, they will reverence my son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and let us seize on his inheritance. And they caught him, cast him out of the vineyard, slew him. When the Lord, therefore, of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those husbandmen? They say unto him, he will miserably destroy those wicked men and will let out his vineyard unto another husbandman, which shall render him the fruits in their season. Jesus says to them, Did ye never read the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. Do you understand that? Jesus said to them, your day of opportunity is right now. And he caught them in this story because they weren't processing the application yet. 
you have had the prophets, 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 and you've killed them and done whatever you please to them, and now you have the son, and you're about to kill the son. And what does it say? Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. I don't think he was frustrated. I think he was just telling them like it was. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. And when the chief priests and Pharisees had perceived that he spake of them, and when the chief priests and Pharisees had heard his parables, they perceived that he spake of them. But when they sought to lay, look at what their reaction was. They lay hands on him. They feared the multitude because they took him for a prophet. They understood what he said. It dawned on them. Because they knew the scriptures. And he was saying to them that he was the son of God. And that they were getting ready to figure out a way to kill him. Right here, they, they, they fulfilled it. They were trying to figure out how to get him. Instead of believing that he was the Messiah from heaven. Believing on him and repenting of their sins. And allowing him to be their Lord and Savior. And so, thank God the message came to the Gentiles because we wouldn't be here, right? Thank God the message was for whosoever will. And that includes you and me. Amen. So let's be good kingdom bearers and bear the truth wherever we go. And let's approach the throne room of heaven with reverence. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your love and mercy and for who you are, Lord. We do honor you and praise you and bless you. And we we pray that you will help us to be good kingdom citizens, to learn to walk with you in white, blamelessly, as Zacharias and John was said of their lives, that they were blameless before you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.